You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. Good morning, y'all. My name is Todd Wright. I'm one of the pastors at Bethel. Uh, I was here last month and I'm back again. Sorry, but I'm back again. Uh, but I'm really glad to be with y'all this morning. If you uh, have your Bible or an app, turn to Psalm 63. That's where we're going to be this morning. Psalm 63. So we are in this series called The Summer of Psalms. And so I will be real honest with you that um, <clears throat> the past couple weeks, and if you've been here or you're watching online, or you've been watching The Summer of Psalms, as I started looking at Psalm 63, um, I, it's... Summer of Psalms is a little strange to me. Initially it was. And here's why. Because typically summer we think of like flowered shirts and going to the lake and barbecues and everything's chill and vacation Bible school and everything's like way more relaxed in summer. And then you read through the Psalms very long. They are not relaxed and chill. Like the Psalms are, are pretty heavy. Like there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of suffering. And so right at first, earlier this past week, I was like, yeah, summer of Psalms, I, I don't know. It just feels weird to be doing this as a summer series. And then the more I read and the more I thought about it, that's kind of how suffering is. Like suffering does not wait around for winter, right? Suffering finds us all the time. I mean, so, some of you are suffering right now. You're in summer and you're like, man, I'm going through some stuff. And, and with a church this size, there's stuff going on. You as a church are going through hardships, some big, some small, but suffering is just a part of our lives. And so Psalm 63 is actually very helpful for us. Now, I'm not here at White House campus very much, so let me tell you a little bit about myself. I have um, a hobby, okay? It's this, it's this hobby that I have that... Um, I can do it and I just, I, you know, in 30, 40 minutes I can do this hobby. I can just turn my brain off and be like super relaxed and it's great. And I'm going to tell you what the hobby is. Some of you, you fish or you, you crochet or you do woodworking or you work in the yard. You have all kinds of hobbies. I'm going to tell you my hobby, okay? My hobby is video games, okay? I can feel your judgment already. I feel it. You're like, I thought he was going to say he likes to farm. No, it's video games. And here's the thing about me and video games. I'm terrible. I'm so bad at them, okay? I don't know any of the new ones. I don't keep up with it. I've got a 21-year-old son. He can tell me every game and what company made it and he's the new DLC. I don't know any of that. Here's what I like to do when I play video games. I like to find a game and I put it on the easiest setting possible. I don't want to fight a boss. I don't want to yell at strangers on a headset. I just want to like kill the bad guys, and then go to bed. That's what I want to do, okay? And so, the other day, I was looking on my game system, and I saw there was a free download of a game. And it was like uh, pro tennis. And I was like, oh, that'd be fun. Tennis is a fun sport. All right, so I download tennis. And so I get it, and I do what I do with all these games. I pick my character who has all the skills, right? I'm just, I'm every, all the power, all the skills, speed, strength, stamina, words I don't even know what they mean. I'm like cranking them up. And then I decide who the computer's gonna be and I pick like the worst player. Like, like 
because I just want to play and have fun and win. And so I pick me, and I'm this big, you know, six-foot-five, you know, Adonis tennis player, and I pick, like, the wimpiest, shrimpiest computer opponent I can. And so I turn it on, and I get destroyed. I mean, this little computer, I don't score one point. Now, I don't know if you know much about tennis. I'm, I'm not saying I didn't win a set. I didn't score one point. Like, not once in that whole game did I get a ball past this person. Okay? So what I should have done when I got just routed by this, you know, computer system is I should have turned it off. You know? But I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay. Now we're going to, okay, you, you want to play? Let's play. So I play again, and I don't score a single point again. So finally I get frustrated, and I'm not chill, and I'm not relaxed, and I go to bed, but now it's in my mind. I'm obsessed with beating this computer. So like every night, I'm like sneaking into the family room to play a little. And so finally, after about four nights of this, I, I'm returning the ball. They're serving to me. And through just a complete accident, through this sort of random series of buttons, I return the ball and, and it goes right past them and I score a point. Now, I'm in there screaming like I'm Serena Williams. I'm just like, that's what you get, you know. I still lost that game, by the way. But what I had accidentally discovered was what we gamers call a combo. That built into the game, there was this series of buttons and moves that I had accidentally landed on that now gave me a leg up. And, and honestly, every time I did that combo, I did really well. Almost every single time I did it right. Now, sometimes I forgot or sometimes I didn't quite hit the right sequence of buttons. But when I did... It always helped me. And I'm not trying to be flippant or, or silly about Psalm 63, but what we are going to see in Psalm 63 today is a combo. That there is this thing in Psalm 63 that is a, a tip, a formula, combo, whatever you want to call it, but really what it is is it's wisdom. Psalm 63 has this thing for us that if we will apply it and we will use it, it will make us better. It will help us get through suffering in a way that glorifies God, okay? So you're going to hear me talking about the combo today. And in just a second, I'll, I'll tell you even from the beginning what it is. But first, just a little bit of context. So Psalm 63 in your Bible uh, or on your app probably has some sort of heading over it, okay? And the heading will be something like um, David in the desert or David on the run or David in the wilderness, and so Psalm 63 is what happens because David is fleeing from some attackers. Now, believe it or not, there are multiple times in David's life where this happened. So um, we know this happened when Saul was after him as a young man, that he fled for his life from Saul. Most scholars believe that Psalm 63 is the second time this happened because after he was king, his son, Absalom, tried to overthrow him. There was a massive coup from his own family to, to depose and kill David. And so David flees into the desert. And so most scholars believe that's what we're hearing from David here because towards the end you'll hear me read in just a second, the king will remember. So most experts think he's talking about himself and this is now when he's an adult, he has a family, he's the king and he's on the run. And so that's where we're finding David in Psalm 63. Now, before we read it, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the combo is. 
Now, most sermons that, that you would hear and that I would even preach or Clint, most sermons are built on points, right? So you read some text and the person up here goes, okay, this, these verses mean this. And there's some sort of point, something that's memorable or helpful. And most sermons operate like this, but Psalm 63 is a little different. And really all the Psalms are different in this way. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the point is of Psalm 63. I'm going to tell you that ahead of time because what's unique about the Psalms is, and you know this if you've read the Psalms, when you get into them and you start to see the wisdom in them, it's all throughout. There's no surprise because these Psalms are songs and they're poems. And typically, if you study them, you will look at a Psalm and it may be 11 verses or 25 verses or 45 verses. And a lot of times you'll go, this whole thing is about this issue or this lesson. So I'm going to give you the combo. I'm going to tell you what David's going to show us and then we'll read it. Here it is. These two words. I'll say these two words a million times today. Honesty and memory. This is the combo of Psalm 63. What you're going to see in just a second, I'll start reading, is that David is completely honest about his state before the Lord, of what's going on, and he is constantly remembering God's faithfulness. Okay, so let me read Psalm 63 to you. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. <clears throat> my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. And all who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. Honesty and memory. What we just read was David doing that. I'm being totally honest about my state before the Lord. And this time of suffering. And I'm remembering God's faithfulness. And this is the combo for us. So look at verse 1 and 2. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. David's honesty. So he's opening with saying, my, my, my flesh is fainting for you. Like he's literally on the run. He's literally in the wilderness. Fainting's not good. If you've ever fainted, nobody goes, that was so cool. I'm, that was so fun. Fainting's bad. And David's going, my, I feel like fainting for you, God. It's like I'm in a desert. He probably was in a desert. I don't have water. Water's very important, especially if you're running through the wilderness. David is completely honest before the Lord. But what follows immediately, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary I've beheld your power and glory. How can David have faith when he's on the run for his life? Because he's seen God move, and so have you, and so have I. Honesty and memory are acts of worship. 
Now, we tend to think of, okay, you know, when I worship God, I come and I'm feeling good and I've you know, got the goosebumps and I really want to worship. And so we sort of think about, yeah, memory, remembering God's faithfulness, that's what worship is too. David is showing us here that honesty is a part of worship too. When you're honest before the Lord, you are opening up and saying, God, I need you. And there's no more better worship sentiment in the world than God, I need you. It's the most worship, being honest with the Lord, it's the most worshipful thing you can do. I'm going to just read you a bunch of scripture here. They're not on the screen. Let me just hit you. Scriptures that are telling you, you might as well be honest, God knows anyway. 1 Samuel 16, 7, for the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We, a lot of us know that verse. Psalm 38, 9, O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. Anybody ever sigh? I'm a world-class sire. My wife can tell you. And you know what? God hears every single one of them. Jeremiah 20, 12, O Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you... I have committed my cause. Listen, the dishonest heart slows the whole thing down. Like when we're not honest, you ever had somebody lie to you? It's so frustrating. Like I've done this with my kids. It's like if you would have just not lied, we would not be now two hours into this thing. The dishonest heart slows the whole thing down. And when we're not honest before the Lord, it's really about control. If I'm not honest before God, I'm trying to maintain some measure of, I got it, God. And what David has just said is that God knows you don't got it. Why waste time pretending to the one person who knows you're pretending? Honesty is an act of worship, but so is memory. Listen to these, Deuteronomy 8.2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Psalm 77.11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I'll remember your wonders of old. Isaiah 25. Oh, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you've done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. Honesty and memory are acts of worship. Now let's keep going. Look at the next verse, two verses. This is verse three and four. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Now David comes at it a little backwards here. Now he starts with memory. He goes, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Now listen, you don't say because unless you've got proof, okay? So if my wife walked into the living room from outside and she goes, hey, did you buy a guitar at Guitar Center yesterday? And I said, well, whatever do you mean, honey? Why would you say that? And if she said, well, because I found this Guitar Center receipt in your truck and it's for $700 on a guitar and those are the last four digits of your debit card. She would say because, because she's got it in her hands. You don't say because unless you're confident. So David goes, he flips it. He starts with memory. Because I've seen your steadfast love, I will praise you. My lips will bless you. And then he says, I'm, God, I will bless you as long as I live. And let me remind you, David's saying this while people are trying to kill him. So he, he does not know how long he's going to live. It, it could be tomorrow. And he says, but God, because he's being, being totally honest and he's remembering, God, because I've seen your steadfast love, I'm going to praise you to the very end. 
He's in a scary, thirsty, fainting place. He's being honest about that. But because he remembers, he's able to glorify God. So the second thing I'd say about honest in memory is that it changes your perspective. When you are honest before the Lord in your suffering and you remember his faithfulness, it will change your perspective about suffering. Now, this is just my opinion here, okay? I have no proof of this, but I've read Psalm 63 a lot this week. David's being very honest, but to me, he does not sound desperate. So he's not saying... I'm so scared I'm going to die. I don't know what's going to happen. He's not, he's not talking about tomorrow. He's not talking about what's happening next week. He's facing down what might be a very painful end to his life. And he's rejoicing because his perspective has been changed. You want to change your perspective about your suffering, honesty, and memory. They change our perspective. Look at the next two verses, verse 5 through 7. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Look at that honesty. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food when I remember you. He is directly talking about his need. God, my soul will be fed. As if I've had a huge meal when I meditate on you. When I think about the Lord, when I think about how he's been my help, my soul gets fed. Even in my thirsting, David says, I will be full and I will sing. Listen, we only sing when we're full. Like there's probably a lot of Sundays you've come in here and you were not full. And so you didn't feel like singing. And there are probably some Sundays you come near, you've been so full of God's spirit and full of thankfulness and you, you were yelling louder than Adam ever could. We only sing when we're full. When we're in that empty place, what David is saying is that honesty and memory will feed us. It will, it will fill us up. And then he says this thing, which I just, uh, so poetic. When I remember you upon my bed, I meditate you, on you in the watches of the night. David says he's going to lay there in the watches of the night and he's going to remember when you are in a hard place, when you are suffering, nighttime's the worst. It's the absolute worst. The time when we're supposed to rest and turn everything off. And some of you already know this. I mean, you just lay there and the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the what ifs, and you just lay there for an hour or two. Eyes wide open. You're in those long, dark watches of the night. And you cannot get to sleep. And David, what he says is, God, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a tough spot. And so God, in those long, dark watches of the night, I'm going to meditate on you. Because David knows God's been faithful. He's seen his faithfulness. When we remember, it will feed us. And so here's what I'd say about honesty and memory. Honesty and memory will sustain us when we have nothing. When we have nothing, being honest about our state before the Lord and remembering his faithfulness, it will sustain us. I wrote this down 
because I'm the new thing I'm asking my wife to say to me when I'm feeling down or discouraged or when I'm going through suffering and I wrote it down. And so what I'm wanting her to ask me after reading Psalm 63 for a week is that when I'm in that place, I want my wife and probably going to ask some of my friends to ask me the two questions, these two questions. Todd, are you being honest with the Lord? Todd, are you being honest? This thing that you're going through, are you being honest? And then the second thing is, are you remembering what God's done for you? Todd, are you remembering that? I, want, I need somebody to ask me that because when I'm in the desert, I have to run toward honesty and memory. It is the only way to endure. It is the only thing that will sustain. And then these last few verses, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. So David in this psalm is a deposed king. He's on the run. There's a little bit of disagreement even about who David might have had with him. So some experts believe David probably had like his immediate family and just kind of took what he could take on the run. Some people believe he probably had some small regiment or, or some of his closest soldiers, but most every expert believes that whatever David had, it paled in comparison to what Absalom had. So he did not have a, a fighting force that he could go back and just turn around and beat everybody. He's, so Psalm 63 is not David saying, we got all these weapons, we're going to John Wick our way back into the castle, okay? He's not saying that at all. In fact, he's saying the opposite. Even when he starts talking about justice, he even is putting it in a different context. He's got nothing, which is beautiful because David knows that it's only through God that justice will come. He never says, I'm going to beat them. He never says, I'm going to overpower them. He says, they'll go down. They'll be food for jackals. They'll be put to the sword by God. But the king will rejoice in God. Honesty and memory will remind us and keep us grounded in the truth that God is our defender. This combo will help us to remember that it's God who fights the battles. It's God who's got the power. You feel powerless right now? You feel like you don't have enough weapons? Wish you had an army, but it's just you all alone? Good. David says, good. I, I've got the God on my side. So most of you know that most of my time at Bethel, I've been a worship leader, okay? So there's this song that um, I used to love to lead. And my, my wife and my friends and just about everybody was like, we hate that song. Stop singing that song. Like, you're having your own moment up there, buddy. And it was this, it was this Chris Tomlin song. And the whole thing was like the God of angel armies, right? Whom Shall I Fear, I think was the title. And I would lead that thing. And the, another thing is it's really hard to play. My band always messed up. It always sounded bad. But I'm up there crying, having my own personal worship moment. Because that's in, those, in that season, that's what I needed to be reminded of. Hey, the God, I, the God who I serve has the whole host of heaven on his side. Like, I'm not in charge of anything. You know, it reminds me, there's this, there's this stand-up comedian named Mike Berbiglia who has this old joke about supporting the troops. And he says, I, I love the troops because 
if they weren't the troops, I'd have to be the troops, and I'd be the worst troops. That's how I feel when I read Psalm 63. It's such a comfort to me that David's not saying, okay, boys, let's get the swords and let's go. No, he says, the king's going to rejoice in God. God, I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to remember that you're faithful. And God, you'll put them down. You will feed them to the jackals. It's so crazy to me when, when we look at this. When we look at this, and for me, it reminds me, honesty and memory gives us direction. It reminds us that God is the defender. My job is to rejoice. So as I've been reading this and thinking about this and working on the sermon, it's, and y'all know this, those of you who study the Bible and read the Bible, the, the images that come to your mind sometimes when you're reading something or you're learning something, they're always very surprising. And so as I read this last part and was kind of thinking about God as our defender, it made me remember this thing that happened about 25 years ago. I had a friend who, whose marriage fell apart, and it was a bad deal, and her husband had run off, and there were some criminal charges, and there was, there was some neglect, and some abuse, and in our little church, it was a really big deal, and we were all feeling very worried for her and trying to help her, and I remember I hadn't seen her in a few weeks, and I remember standing in the foyer of our little church, and I didn't even know she was there. That, it was on a Sunday night. Remember when we went to church on Sunday nights? I do. Sound like the oldest man in the world, sorry. But we used to go to church on Sunday nights, kids. And I was in the foyer, and I remember seeing her, and I said, hey, what, what, what's going on? I mean, how, are you okay, and what's the status? And, and she said, well, you know, we can't, we can't find him. He's gone. He's, he's, he's run. So he'd been arrested, but he, he made bond, but he's, he's now on the run. He didn't show back up for his hearing, and... So I'm just, I'm like, are you okay? And she says this phrase that I just came to my mind as I was reading Psalm 63. So she was so relaxed and she said, yeah, bounty hunter will find him. And I remember being like, now I will tell you this, my wife was right beside me. My wife did not know much about law or bounty hunters or bales, bondsmen or anything like that. The only bounty hunter she knew was Boba Fett. Um, and so when the, my friend said the bounty hunter will find him, my wife gasped because she thought bounty hunters killed people. She's like, is she having him killed? <laughs> I said, no, no, that's, it's a guy who tracks him down and brings him back for the hearing. But I could not believe that this friend of mine was so calm, but she had placed her trust in this bounty hunter. Bounty hunter will find him. And I don't know why that hit my mind the way it has, but it's sort of what I've adopted as I've tried to apply Psalm 63. If I look at my own life, I want to have the heart that goes, you know what, honestly, before the Lord, stuff's tough, stuff's hard, stuff's bad, but I want to be like my friend Kelly and say, my God's got it. My God will figure it out. I mean, it's the hardest thing in the world to do. I mean, sometimes you... You look at your bank account and you're like, oh, I, where did it go? And why is there no more coming? Or you look at relationships you've got with people and you think, I don't know how to fix this. Stuff at work. And it's so hard. It's so hard to go, my God's got this. But what Psalm 63 shows us is that if we can get to that place, it frees us up to rejoice. That honesty and memory Help us to remember that God is the defender. Some of you 
know how hard this is. History tells us, if you were to keep reading the story of David, that God did um, deliver David through this situation. He did destroy David's enemies. But what I love about Psalm 63 is I like to think, what if he hadn't? What if Absalom had killed his father there in the desert? What if they'd overpowered him and put the whole family to death? We'd have this amazing last will and testament of David to say, God, I'm fainting for you. I'm in such need. I cannot fix anything. And yet I remember your faithfulness. I think David's heart is evident here. Honesty and memory, it's not dependent on our victory. It moves our focus from, gee, I hope I get out of this, to even if I don't, I'm going to glorify God. Honesty and memory are acts of worship. Honesty and memory change your perspective. Honesty and memory sustain us when we have nothing. And honesty and memory remind us that God is our defender. So what do we do? Well, how do we take Psalm 63 and we make it practical? I'm going to give you some practical stuff that's said in this scripture. The first one, go to church. He said it in verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. When I was coming up as a worship leader, there were about 80 songs that were popular and they all were like, God, I want to see you. I want to see your face. God, would you walk in the room? God, uh, you know, make your presence known. And I hated those songs. I was like, he's here. The Bible already says he's here. The door's not going to fly open. You're not going to actually touch his face. If you saw his face, you'd die. Like I just, I would go on these rants. But listen, I'm almost 47 years old. And what I realized, that's exactly what David's saying. He's remembering, God, I've been in the sanctuary. I've seen you. I've seen your power and glory. When you are in suffering, church is the last place you want to go. I totally understand that. And yet Psalm 63 is saying it's absolutely the place you should go. You want to see God working? Get around God's people. You want to see God's glory? Go listen. Go listen to a sermon. You want to see God moving? You want to see God's working? Serving kids ministry. You... Spend four weeks going to church in a row, you will see God's power and glory. It will be evident all around you. Don't pull back. In fact, that ought to be our heart always. We, listen, I, I've worked in ministry a long time, and I, there, have been, there have been lots of weekends that my kids have heard me say, oh, I don't want to go tomorrow. I don't want to leave worship tomorrow. And what I should be saying is like, y'all, I need to go worship tomorrow. That's what I'm trying to change about me. So practical tip, go to church. Second tip, remember in the night. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Nighttime's tough. We already talked about that. Last week, just last week, I was talking to a friend. We were talking about this stuff and anxiety and stress. And he said, you know what I do? He said, I have this little notebook. It's beside my chair in my living room. And every night when the days kind of calm down, I get that notebook out and I write down just as many things I can think of that I did that day. So it's not even spiritual. It might be, you know, you know got, got this problem solved at work, uh, made it to the dentist on time, you know, had dinner with my kids. And he said, what ends up happening is th there's so much more 
that happens in the day that I remember. I, sometimes I come home and I think, I didn't really do anything today, or today was kind of a waste. And man, when I write down 15 or 16 things, I feel like, oh, yeah, I did some stuff. So I've been trying this. I took his advice. Here's a thing he didn't tell me that also happens. It's so helpful to me as a worshiper. Like I write that list and I'm like, man, God was with me today. There's some stuff that in the moment I didn't realize God was organizing that and making that happen. And now I look back. Some of you need to leave here today and you need to go to Brookshire's or the dollar store and you need to buy yourself a little $4 journal and you need to put it right beside your bed and before you lay down at night, you write down, you meditate on what God's done in the watches of the night, what God's done for you that day that you were able to get up and you were breathing or you made it through another day. I guarantee you putting that in your head before you go to bed will help you remember in the night. You will sleep better. You will go to bed with God on your mind, remember in the night. And then the last one, last practical tip, sing when you're empty. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Sing when you're empty. It's biologically proven that when we sing out loud, it is good for us. It's good for our body. It's good for our mind. But like I said, we usually only sing when we're full. I say this all the time. You've, I'm sure I've talked about it many times here and at Bethel South, but I'm going to say it again and then we'll wrap things up. So I always talk about these two words with worship. One is adoration. Right? This is what we think of worship, right? We, we're feeling it. We're thankful. We're grateful. We come in. We got the goosebumps. We love the songs. We're just worshiping our guts out. And that is absolutely a part of worship. But sometimes you don't feel like that. And so there's this other word that guides us, which is acknowledgement. It's a different A word. It's not adoration. It's acknowledgement. And the way that helps us is that there are some Sundays we come in church and we, we aren't feeling it and we don't have the goosebumps. But in our hearts and in our minds, we say, God, I acknowledge you're on the throne. I'm going to acknowledge that you're in charge. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're doing. But I'm going to acknowledge you are not afraid. God, you are not afraid. You are not surprised. You are not worried. Sing when you're empty. Because what happens is when we get together and we sing about God's faithfulness, it's honesty and memory. It's those moments of being honest before the Lord and remembering his faithfulness. I didn't even have to be here. You could sing in your car. Some of you probably should only sing in your car, if we're being honest. But sing when you're empty. So go to church, remember in the night, and sing when you're empty. God is not afraid of your honesty. God wants you to be open before him. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.